Hey guys, oh man, thanks for joining today. I'm really excited about this new series that I'm about to put out, it's three parts, and um, man, I, uh, I think it's one that I'm going to revisit over and over again and just never be happy with and keep adding to. Um, it's just, it, it's one that I've worked on for a long time, even before I did this, I was thinking in, along these lines for geez maybe 10 years i'm just really excited about it i think it's uh i don't i don't know i'm just really excited i'm glad you're here to to listen to it and i would love all the comments you know constructive criticism whatever else you have for me about this today we're calling this one the relativity of stained glass and mathematics let's jump right in a new creation in the beginning was the probability, and the probability was greater than zero, and the probability was one. All things were created through probability, and outside this probability, zero has been created. Life was in that probability, and that life was the light of Homo sapiens. That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. Let's look at general literacy throughout Western history. Literacy rates during the medieval period in the Western world are apparently hard to gauge. We're talking about the Middle Ages, you know, roughly like AD 1000 to 1400, give or take 100 years. So there's a decent amount of change and large swaths of people and cultures to account for. Therefore, the numbers are fuzzy at best. Depending on where you look and how you define literacy, the numbers could be lower than 5% and restricted mainly to nobility and clergy. Um, but with a more liberal definition, say being able to make out enough English, Latin, or French to equate to a contemporary third grader, numbers could look a lot closer to 40% and maybe up to 90%. For comparison, literacy literacy rates in the United States of America today is probably somewhere around 80 to 99 percent. So anyways, what do all these boring, probably made up statistics have to do with stained glass or math? Well, let's start with the glass. A stained glass liturgy. The technology of stained glass developed into a high art form in the Middle Ages. Artists used a variety of techniques to create beautiful windows of colored glass that fill the facades of great Gothic cathedrals. The windows were designed with symbolism from and illustrations of biblical narratives that help relate the Christian story to mostly illiterate parishioners. Of course, if the pictures were all they had, the story would be quite incomplete. A textual literative narrative was needed to guide the interpretation of images. More than simple illustrations, though, when backlit by the flicker of sunlight, the images brought to life stories and characters the churchgoers learned and heard about in the lectionary. The iconography, the imagery seen in the windows, not only sparked the imagination, but also helped inform ideology. What churchgoers learned was a story about an, or in my understanding, the ultimate truth. A truth that was reinforced by every authority they ever knew, reiterated from birth and passed down through the generations. Religion, as such, was the basis for all understanding in the Western Middle Ages. 
everything from man to heaven and everything in between and their origins was explained through religion. The ultimate authority on that truth would have been the papal hierarchy of the Catholic Church. And this hierarchy was intimately tied to a lineage of authority, more specifically a lineage of literate authors. Here, I'll take a minute to define what I mean by literacy. It's a fluency in reading and writing that allows for comprehension. And by comprehension, I mean the ability to read information well enough to interpret it. By interpret, I mean the ability to create an analogy between the actual information, the words that are presented, say in the Bible, and other ways of understanding the same idea that the original words are presenting. Now, I'm not necessarily posting a full-on hermeneutics yet, but it is something close. And that something close is what I'm getting at with the words fluency and comprehension. Even if one is able to sound out all the words in a text, if it takes him or her so long to do so that by the time they get to the last words of a sentence or paragraph that they forget the first words, it would be impossible to comprehend the full meaning of that sentence, verse, section, chapter, or much less a whole book. And by that definition, my assumption is that the large majority of medieval laypersons were illiterate. But to be generous, we'll just assume a semi-literate population. And with this in mind, you know, thinking about a third grade level of understanding and ability to read, very few third graders that I know today can read, especially read the Bible, with the fluency that allows for full comprehension. I mean, let's be honest, there are a few adults who can actually read or comprehend the Bible on their own, yours truly included. Now, even if comprehension wasn't an issue, having access to an actual Bible or any book to read was uncommon in the Middle Ages. In fact, books were a rare commodity in general. Uh... They're essentially like a luxury item, similar to a very nice piece of furniture. The sheer lack of books, including Bibles, almost guarantees that very few people had enough practice reading to possess such skills such as reading well. This is where the stained glass comes in. If the gap between the layperson and clergy was as wide as it appears to have been, a visual aid was sure to help with memory recall, and comprehension. I mean, that's why nowadays all presentations have a keynote or PowerPoint, right? I mean, right? Yeah. Specific literacy. H2 equals... A over A in parentheses squared, which equals 8 pi capital G over 3 times rho minus KC squared over A squared plus uh, upside down V C squared over 3. Now, 
that equation that I just stumbled through models the Big Bang. Or, I mean, maybe it's a different equation. Or, hold on, let's, let's see, maybe it's this one. R with two dots over it equals negative 8 pi gr over 3 times, uh, uh, I guess it's a row, I don't know, it might be a p, plus one-third that upside-down v thing times r. So, all right, okay, I don't know. They mean something about the expansion of the universe, I think. Okay, I mean, that's what Google told me when I searched mathematical equation for the Big Bang. And I know what you're thinking, like, which Big Bang? Our Big Bang. Anyways, you get the picture. Unless something has gone terribly right, no one who's listening to this has any clue what these cryptic arrangements of letters and symbols actually means. I I know I don't. We might be able to name some of the variables, symbols, and letters like I stumbled through. And maybe some of the more mathematically or scientifically inclined could parse a little bit of it. But most of us, eh, not so much. So let's try a few other ones. The sum of force in a direction equals m times a in that same direction. Or 1 newton, 1n equals 1kg times m over s squared. Now, myself included, many more people can understand these simpler math equations of Isaac Newton's physics which is interesting because, you know, his equations describe the world that we more readily perceive, you know, large objects in motion. Still, many fully functioning adults cannot read them or understand any of them. So, let's look at mathematical models. In many ways, science has become like a new religion. And school or academia is the place most of us learn to study STEM or STEAM, you know, science, technology, engineering, and math. The language of science is math. And while there are millions of people who claim to uh, freaking love science, as a society, we are largely illiterate in the kind of mathematics it takes to truly understand science. Ask the average person, and they'll admit that they hated math in high school and probably barely passed science. Testing confirms that Americans are only elementary, are only elementarily fluent in the subject. Uh, to quote a source that I'll put in the link, in math, Americans with a high school diploma perform about the same as high school dropouts in other countries. Ultimately, very few people in our population understand the language of mathematics. To be generous, I'll say that we are, as a society, semi-literate in math, and therefore science. Think about that. We are at best semi-literate in the language of our dominant ideology. Essentially, everything we as common folks know of science, especially physics, or even more so theoretical physics, is told to us through analogy and metaphor by an authority. This means we are only getting part of the picture when we watch YouTube videos about black holes or wormholes or string theory or time travel. Ask anyone who really knows the math, and they will tell you that even the best 
verbal analogies and computer-generated visualizations do not accurately mimic the mathematics. It's only with a deep fluency in the language of math that we can accurately understand the descriptions and predictions that science makes about the world. Math, such as the above examples, is the basis for all the science that gives us all of our understanding of all existence, from quarks to multiverses and everything in between, and their origins. It is no coincidence that it is a similar math and science that make our mobile phones work. You're probably looking at your phone right this instant, or at least holding it, or at least listening to it. Now think about what you're actually looking at. A piece of glass with light shining through it. When illuminated, the light-emitting diodes composing the images on your screen bring to life the forces and theories that screen watchers learn and hear about in their free time because they didn't care about it at school. The imagery not only sparks the imagination but also informs ideology. What screen watchers learn is a story about an ultimate truth, a truth that has been reinforced by almost every authority they have ever known, reiterated from birth and passed down through the generations. The ultimate authority on that truth has been the academic hierarchy of the sciences. And this hierarchy is intimately tied to a lineage of authority. More specifically, a lineage of authors of mathematical models. Your phone is kind of like a portable stained glass window. Instead of colored glass backlit by the sun, it's clear glass with colored light shining through. But just like a medieval cathedral window, it is a visual plane where a semi-literate people look to fill the gap in their knowledge. Authors versus authorities. I'll build the case for self-authorship in the next uh, episode, uh, and we'll continue to compare and contrast the relationship of authorities in science and religion. Uh, but just something to keep in mind until then is this idea that when we are illiterate, we must rely on authority to enlighten us. At the same time, we must always be weary of authority because, quote, absolute power corrupts absolutely. Authority misusing its power is nothing new. It happens in every religion and also in the sciences. Therefore, we must become literate so that we may not be solely reliant on authorities, but authors in our own right. Now, post a little postscript here. If you were offended by one critique or the other so far, I uh, really hope that you stick around, but, you know, I hope that you also are checking your bias or your prejudice toward one of these uh, fields of understanding. Now, unless you are an authority or at least literate, you are ultimately at risk of being played by an authority. <laughs>